Welcome to today's episode of Cannabis Unlocked. I'm Tibby Erdely, and today I'm going to be joined by Dave Neuendorfer, the CEO of Open Book Extracts, one of Key's portfolio companies. Uh, in today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the hemp-derived cannabinoid market, how uh, the market has exploded recently in the last 18 months or so, um, and where OBX has been, where OBX is today, and, and where they see the market of tomorrow going. Um, we've also got some exciting predictions about rescheduling towards the end of the show. Uh, please tune in, and, and I hope you enjoy. exciting episode of Cannabis Unlocked here today. I'm welcoming an old friend, um, Dave Neuendorfer from Open Book Extracts. I think, Dave, this is probably your third time joining us on the podcast right. here. We've we've been connected with you guys and investors in OBX for, we'll be going on three years here pretty shortly. It's been a great ride. Um, the company's changed tremendously um, since uh, our initial investment. Um, many Listeners today, you know, have a good idea of what Open Book is, but uh, why don't you let people know, you know, how Open Book got started, um, you know, where you've been, where you are today, and where you see the company going in the future. Great. Well, thanks for having me back, Tibby. And um, just a, a quick background on Open Book Extracts. Uh, we just celebrated our fifth birthday Ooh, on January fourth, so we're five years in, and uh, nice. we're still living. The mission that we had back in 2018 when we saw federal legalization of hemp and hemp-derived products uh, going through uh, on one hand, so a regulatory change, and then on the other hand, uh, we saw a, a market supply chain that wasn't ready for a fast-growing, professionalized uh, marketplace and industry. And so it was at that disconnect that we took a step back and said, Hey, we've been in we've been in the cannabis market for a while on the medical cannabis side at, at the state level. All three founders, um, Oz Hackett and I in Ohio, Scott Thorne in Colorado. <clears throat> and as we looked at what was happening in hemp, we envisioned what we viewed as the market of tomorrow coming in and coming in and expecting manufacturing excellence and quality management systems and CGMP certifications. And that's what we decided to build. Right. And so we believe in the power of the plant. We believed in the, you know, the lower THC side of the cannabinoid spectrum. We believe in the promise of the, you know, the mood state and therapeutic states that minor cannabinoids can unlock. And we set out to build the most sophisticated supply chain solution for this burgeoning hemp derived market. Whereas in 2018, based on most of the, the, the leading incumbents at the time, we were pretty dismayed at what we found from a customer service standpoint, quality, transparency, um, and documentation. And we double clicked on the lack of transparency for this market to grow. You need trust to build trust. You need transparency. So we we named our company Open Book. Awesome. Um, so you know when we first invested in the company, outside of uh, what you just described there, 
you guys were mainly focused on providing formulations um, and ingredients to the industry. A lot's changed um, since we made that investment. Now you're more focused on really kind of controlling the entire middle part of the supply chain. You, you guys provide finished goods um, and co-packing uh, capabilities. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can. So when we put together our very first pitch deck for what we envisioned OB, OBX becoming, um, we, we always knew there was going to be ingredient uh, formulation R&D as well as finished goods manufacturing. And we staged those out in that order. So we built our CGMP facility in 2019 uh, in an old uh, tobacco warehouse, 76,000 square feet, about 30 minutes north of Durham, North Carolina. But then in 2020, we built out our bulk ingredient production capabilities. Really in 2021, we built out our formulation R&D support uh, because most brands don't have an internal formulation R&D team. Uh, and then really in 2022, we built out finished goods manufacturing capabilities. And the theory was, you know, if you look at any other industry and a lot of case studies, there are a lot of reasons not to vertically integrate uh, for more mature industries. For us, vertical integration, while challenging, became critical because our play right now is channel management. We wanted to own these relationships with the leading brands that are going to grow and survive and grow through the, the market of today, as we call it, as well as the market of tomorrow, which will be defined by either Congress uh, or the FDA clarifying the regulations for hemp-derived products. But um, being able to manage the channel and being the one-stop shop on behalf of brands who are either already in the space and they care about quality and reliability and safety, or brands who will enter the space, you know, the household names who will enter once their compliance departments give them a thumbs up, having that vertical integrated reach is critical for driving innovation, driving documentation, driving transparency. Um, and then once the market becomes a little bit more evolved and a little bit more mature, I think we'll then see um, some specialization in specific verticals. Once you can rely on the other pieces of the supply chain, living up to your quality standards, uh, but that will take time to get there. So um, it has been an evolution, you know, ingredients, formulation support, and now finished goods manufacturing. And a lot of our best clients are, you know, if you've heard of a client or heard of a brand in the THC or CBD side of the market, uh, chances are they're doing one of those three things, if not multiple, uh, with open book extracts. Awesome. Any is there any chance you can share with the audience some of those clients that you're working with, just so people have familiarity? Yeah. So um, there, a lot of the clients work with us and want to make sure that uh, we don't disclose disclose publicly um, who we're working with. Um, groups that um, are public because they've you know submitted case studies and it's public information. Um, we work with a, a number of the the uh, True Leaf brands um, on. Um, formulation development and mm -hmm. uh, tech transfer for products that need to be run and manufactured in a state licensed processing facility. Um, a lot of the CBD brands, unfortunately we're restricted by confidentiality, but truly if you've heard of a brand, 90% of the time they're one of our clients. Yeah, and I can certainly say with that visibility from our side, you guys are working with the top brands out there, whether in the THC or, or the CBD space, I was going to ask the question of who your clients of tomorrow are going to be, but I'm guessing there's probably confidentiality stacked there. But I would say major CPG companies 
food and beverage companies that that folks know of outside of cannabis um, are certainly in the pipeline and in conversations with you guys today too. Major uh, vitamin dietary supplement brands, um, leading you know top three uh, beverage brands, um, uh, leading tobacco uh, brands who are looking to backfill you know cigarette sales. So. Um, so yes, there are a lot of groups who, while, you know, they don't have the compliance clarity to enter the market today or the compliance sign off are getting ready by getting a product portfolio developed. So when there is a, a regulatory evolution or regulatory change, they're not caught flat footed. And, yep. um, that's a really exciting, that's really exciting visibility into what this market's going to look like on the other side of that event. And we don't know if that event is going to happen in 2025 or 2026. We do still believe that that event is inevitable. Um, we feel pretty strongly that it's not going to happen in 2024. Um, as everybody knows, likely the 2023 Farm Bill was punted from the end of last year to be reviewed in September of this year. And I know you just had an exciting conversation with David Culver about that. Uh, but in an election year, chances are we're not going to see a, a lot of major change. So we're kind of thinking at least 2025 or beyond um, for when those major household brands get the clarity they need to enter the space. Yeah, awesome. You know, I want to spend some time on the podcast talking about um, the hemp-derived cannabinoid market, the proliferation that we saw um, last year. Um, form factors that I think are really starting to get their stride, such as beverage. But before jumping into that, um, can we talk a little bit about what really changes with this FDA clarity or the farm bill, how these traditional CPG companies um, start to get involved? What do you think pr the products on the shelves of tomorrow look like with these companies? Is can it, are cannabinoids a, you know, a single line item ingredient, the way CBD is sold in the market today, or is it a broader part of a, a you know, a broader nutraceutical package, a line item with several other ingredients attached to it? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that we're, we're going to see what we refer to as active ingredient stacks or active stacks focused on opening up a, a new usage occasion. Uh, that usage occasion could be social, that usage occasion could be creativity. Uh, that use occasion could be sleep or pain or focus. And, and so I don't see cannabinoids being a single category line item for a single format. I think we're going to see cross-format integration of different active stacks focused on uh, creating you know, some product that has a point of view. And that point of view needs to have in mind, okay, who is using this? where are they using it, how it fits into their daily routine, and to what end. And uh, you know, on the heels of COVID and with the most health and wellness conscious generation that we've ever seen in Gen Z coming to market, uh, it's, it's crazy to me because they're almost looking at alcohol the same way I at age 42 looked at cigarettes when I was, when I was their age. Um, and both on the, uh, you know, the health and wellness thrust and through the eyes of, you know, these citizen doctors, um, they're not only thinking about, you know, health and wellness goals through that lens of, uh, hey, what's going to help me be the best, you know, version of myself that I could possibly be, but they're also thinking through that lens in the social context setting as well. 
Um, what can I do to take the edge off or to be more social or be more extroverted um, without sacrificing my workout in the morning uh, or without feeling like I'm a little bit slower or more dull or any of the hangover effects of alcohol? And so I think it's going to range from uh, social occasions, obviously, the, the routines of beverage, uh, the social routines of beverage will stick and will cross over from uh, alcohol into the hemp-derived cannabis active stacks, but then all the way over to, you know, the more therapeutic needs, uh, you know, chronic pain. Uh, I have a blown out shoulder and two repaired knees that I use cannabinoids on for a daily basis. Um, and then I, I use them to relax and be able to get great sleep at night. And so I don't see one brand serving all of those needs. I really see a category approach with different active stacks that have research showing, hey, if you're, if you're trying to achieve X, Y, or Z, here's the brand or the product lineup um, that will help you with a, with a custom curated active stack that shows that, hey, this is, this is going to work for you, you know, work for your needs. Are you guys already currently uh, working on formulating those types of active stacks that you're discussing with some of these, um, call it unsaid, traditional CPG companies? We we are, and those active stacks can uh, at times just include um, cannabinoids. They can marry cannabinoids as, and non-cannabinoid actives, uh, so dietary supplement type actives that marry well with cannabinoids and dosages that actually do move the needle. Um, and then we're also working on formulations that do not include uh, cannabinoids in the active stacks for groups that wanna come to market uh, with a health and wellness focused or social occasion focused product uh, that does not carry cannabinoids today, but will carry cannabinoids in the future. And so we're seeing all three of those different types of clients. and. The reason that they work with us is each one of these actives has its own idiosyncrasies. Some are hard to blend, some crystallize, some turn into an oil, some have a very bitter aftertaste. And so that's where our formulation team is really quite special. Uh, we can curate products that not only work, uh, but also have uh, you know, a great taste and great organoleptics. Um, that will fit within the, you know, the routines and the, and the, you know, the, the stylistic choices of the mainstream consumer. Yep. You know, you said something there that, that really sticks out to me. Um, you said products that really work. What type of work are you guys doing to ensure the efficacy or um, the effect of the cannabinoids that you guys are formulating? Yeah, it's a great question. We, we want to help this industry move beyond anecdotes. Um, and as one of our investors likes to say, that the plural of anecdote is not data. Um, huh. and, and I think that's a great line and something that's really important for our industry as we're trying to legitimize and destigmatize and bring more of the mainstream market in, um, having real data is key. So how do we get that data? We have a stair-step approach. Uh, we have a uh, internal consumer insight panel when we're building new active stacks and new products. We have about 150 people um, that give feedback on a, you know, a blinded placebo controlled lineup of products. The next step up is we can do um, discovery work. So we have a more distributed group where we can send products out for people to take on a, on a routine basis, depending on what the study design is. That could be twice a day or daily or once a week or once a month. 
Um, and then we have full clinical trials uh, that we work with third parties uh, to realize and achieve. And those are large scale. So populations of 300 um, people per arm, um, usually six arms. So we're talking 1800 data points where we can get some really interesting data um, on how and where these products are working um, on behalf of the, you know, the, the mainstream consumer, usually focused on one of these opportunity states, whether it's sleep or pain or focus or women's health and on down the line. So we've been probably investing as much, if not more than any other hemp derived company into both safety studies and efficacy studies uh, since our founding five years ago. And would you say that that maybe is a precursor to eventually having big pharma taking a keen interest in the space as well? Look, I think the data can be utilized in a lot of different um, pathways, um, certainly business development into new channels that uh, appreciate the data, such as pharma, uh, I think is interesting. Um, you know, depending on where the FDA lands on um, new dietary ingredient uh, uh, applications, uh, having the, the safety dossier, I think will be critical towards that. Uh, but having right now, like the reason for having the data is to be able to land those large CPG clients who come to us and say, we know nothing about this market. Get us up to speed on regulatory, get us up to speed on, you know, the ingredients and stability studies, and then get us up to speed on where these products actually move the needle because we don't want to put our brands on anything that doesn't work. So that, that business development and, and validation, uh, that data really moves the needle on. Uh, down the line, could it be helpful for a single cannabinoid stack for pharma? Yeah, it could be, but that's not our near-term reason for doing it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, really, really great insight here. So I want to switch gears a little bit now to talk about the hemp market. Um, you know, in the last, call it 18 months, and I think 2023 was really kind of the breakout year, um, hemp has significantly, or hemp-derived cannabinoids have significantly disrupted the high THC market, licensed THC market. Can you talk a little bit about that and why OBX is positioned well to take advantage of, of this um, new fast-growing market? Yeah, Maybe so the- new, but, but, but right. new to the legal side. Yeah, well, well, since the, the passing of the 2018 Farm Bill, the perceptions of risk on um, the intoxicating hemp-derived market, is what I'll call it, uh, have dropped precipitously, right? And I think a tipping point was late 2022 and then early 2023. Um, and that the reasons are... Um, there, there are a myriad number of reasons, right? Uh, but the biggest reasons are um, lack of enforcement, um, the uh, perception by all legal, you know, you know, counsel in the space that you know Delta Eight is now federally legal with a strict interpretation of the 2018 Farm Bill, um, and that has created um, an absence of any clarity on the level of acceptable concentration of Delta-9 THC, the copying and pasting of 0.3%, which was originally for the flower uh, at harvest, you couldn't have more than 0.3% of the flower, of the dry weight of the flower in Delta-9 THC, that has been copied and pasted and applied to the dry weight of a finished product, right? And so um, 
over the last really two years, the perception of risk has dropped significantly on launching products that have meaningful amounts of hemp derived D9. So to give you an example. You give us, okay, yeah, that's what I was yeah. to say. Give me an example, right? Yeah. Like a, a traditional edible has, you know, 10 milligrams of THC in it. How, how does this work on the hemp side? Traditional, let's just, let's use the, the, the gummy, right? The gummy that you get at a, at a dispensary, you know, probably the, the, the middle of the bell curve and concentration is right around 10 milligrams. For a four gram gummy, 0.3% of a four gram gummy is 12 milligrams of hemp derived D9 THC. And, um, you know, in 2020 and 2021, I think people kind of knew that that might be you know, perceived as the upper bound, but they didn't want to be brazen about it. And yeah. so they were putting two milligrams or five milligrams of Delta 9 THC into that gummy. Um, now they're taking it right up to that 0.3% threshold, which is a direct threat to the, you know, the regulated market dispensary sales and undermining and undercutting those sales. Because if you can get a great tasting hemp derived uh, D9, 10 milligram D9 THC gummy shipped directly to your house on a monthly basis with a subscription from a brand that you already know about, and it's the brand that you would buy at the dispenser anyways, that's where the mainstream consumers meeting cannabis right now. It's simple. It's easy. It's just like ordering on Amazon. You get products that are tested um, and you get, you know, the, you know, the, the lineup or the active stack that you've already tried and evaluated uh, at a dispensary, but without any of the hassle. Um, and so that's been a, a major driver is the hemp derived B9 um, perception on that 0.3% definition. And then, of course, the impairing cannabinoids that don't have any upper bound by definition in the 2018 Farm Bill. And that includes Delta-8, uh, which is the most popular, but then also HHC, which is hugely popular in Europe, uh, yep. THCO, THCP. I saw uh, a D12 THC at a vape shop a couple of weeks ago. I saw THCX, which I don't even know what that means. So Never heard of that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's getting a little bit absurd. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that market continues to grow uh, with more, I, I would call it more well-established brands comfortable with hemp-derived D9, um, yeah. and uh, and then probably smaller, less well-established brands pushing the envelope into some of the other uh, impairing cannabinoids, you know, outside of D8, but on down the chain that are further out on the tail. Yeah, you know, when when you say that, my natural inclination is that you know THCX. What is that? I've never heard of that. I've been in the cannabis industry for five years now. Yeah. Um, by pushing those bounds, I think that they will eventually be stopped by some sort of legislative event. I don't think that's going to happen for hemp-derived D9. Delta-8, maybe a little bit more of a question mark, but what do you think is going to happen? Crystal ball, you know, I know we're not Miss Cleo here, right? But what happens tomorrow when the government comes in and regulates these hemp-derived intoxicating cannabinoids? Mm -hmm. Do you think this goes away? Does it go away in certain states? Is this a market that's now here to stay? The cat's out of the bag. Wh where do we go from here? Look, I think it's going to be hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Um, down the line, likely as part of comprehensive cannabis reform, um, we will we will we will see probably a, a cap on impairing cannabinoids that exist naturally uh, in the flower. Uh, does that cap stay as a dry weight basis of 0.3%? Uh, 
or is it a, an actual milligram you know, definition per dose and per bottle? Uh, we'll see, but I, I think it's gonna be a really challenging piece of the puzzle um, to address outside of broader federal um, cannabis comprehensive legislation. Um, and so I don't, I don't see that happening um, at least until 2025 or beyond, but I certainly don't see Delta eight thresholds going to zero. If anything, I see them being pulled under the 0.3% ceiling that is in place for hemp derived Delta nine. Um, if it's not naturally occurring uh, in the plant, I, I do see it being, um, being uh, ad addressed as part of the, um, you know, as part of you know it being a Schedule One drug and yep. on the controlled substance list. So as as was um, THC, you know, the DEA came out and said that about THC last year. Not, right? not naturally occurring. Not naturally occurring. Is how yes. you would, would really phrase that. Yes. Um, okay. Super interesting. There, um, you guys are obviously very poised um, in in a solid position to go take advantage of of this new, uh, well, not so new, but but new legal market. I would say. Um, let me pause there. I always like asking folks just to kind of wrap up these podcasts. Like one, if there's anything left you want to say about OBX, now's the time. Um, otherwise, you know, looking into your crystal ball, what do you think happens this year? Do we see safe banking? Do we see rescheduling, maybe descheduling? Um, how do you feel? And what, if you, you know, as a betting man, where would you time this? Yeah, I think the only thing that happens this year is is rescheduling. Um, I don't think safe banking is going to happen this year. I don't think descheduling is going to happen this year. Although I'm excited about what um, Elizabeth Warren and uh, team are putting together in terms of you know full descheduling. Uh, yeah. I I don't see it happening this year. I think the uh, HHS's recommendation will be heard and implemented by the DEA this year to drop it to Schedule Three. Um, yeah. I also every year for the last three years have made bold prognostications on what regulations <laughs> are going to change this year that changes the market. And I've been wrong on every single one of them. So yeah. A, I don't have the crystal ball and B, I'm kind of jaded about expecting change sure. and not seeing it year in and year out in this market. Yeah, I would definitely say uh, I've been victim of the same types of predictions there uh, in the past. Um, so making the bold prediction as well that this year we will likely see rescheduling. Um, I give myself a very, very high degree of confidence that that's happening. Yeah, but, uh, you know, as, as we continue to invest in the space, um, the one thing that we know for sure is to act as if nothing's going to change mm -hmm. and take the change as, you know, uh, rewriting the upside potential for any of the investments that, that we're making. And then for you guys, I think uh, also rewriting the potential for new entrants into uh, the markets. Yeah, agreed. And then on the uh, on the OBX side, you know, we are we are positioned really well um, to take advantage of what I think is going to be the longest period of regulatory clarity that we've had since starting the company, which is a period of twelve months where we don't expect anything to happen, right? And um, and a twelve month period of time where I think that we're finally through the glut of biomass that was left over as a result of overproduction in nineteen and twenty. And um, we could see ingredient prices start to tick back up as a result of there needing to be, you know, more hemp in the ground that the market can, um, can you know, can find a serve demand today. And so um, that's an exciting position to be in. Thankfully, we have the ability to think long term. 
I think there are a lot of great companies and technologies and brands out there that are really struggling uh, based on high cost of capital or low access to, to cash infusions. And so I think the, the table is nicely set for a potential you know, roll-up strategy for groups that have access to cash and control of key channel relationships as OBX does. So we're, we're excited, you know, it's gonna be a, another challenging year for the market. We're excited about our strategic positioning uh, within a challenging year uh, and certainly excited about, you know, all of the additional ingredient capacity that we just invested in as a result of acquiring Nucleo. Awesome. Well, Dave, I really appreciate the time spent here. Um, super insightful. I think a lot of folks have been kind of scratching their heads at what's going on in the hemp markets. This should certainly clear the air for a lot of folks. Um, pumped to hear that you guys just celebrated your fifth birthday. We celebrate our fifth birthday on March 15th this year. So we're, we're right nice. there with you guys. Um, but it's been a pleasure getting to know you guys over the years. Uh, you know, you and Oz are certainly some of the um, management teams with the most character out there that that we've invested behind. So so really excited to be a part of the cap stack with you guys and you know excited for the future here. So on, onwards and upwards from here, it feels like there's been a bottoming already in the market and and it's we're going up from here. So look, thanks for having me on, Tibby. Thanks for all the support we've gotten from you and the whole key team. Um, we're we're fired up to be uh, working side by side uh, as this market evolves and, and happy fifth birthday when it gets here. I look forward to uh, celebrating. Yeah. With you. Awesome, man. All right. Well, everybody take care. Thanks so much, Dave, and, and have a great day. All right. Thanks, Tibby. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.